This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Today's guest is a New York Times bestselling author and host of the new podcast series, The History of Marvel Comics, Black Panther. Now, I would explain who Black Panther is, but the movie made $1.3 billion, so I'm guessing you already know who he is. But having listened to the first two episodes of the Black Panther podcast, I'm guessing there's a lot of stuff you don't know about this legendary character's history. So here to enlighten all of us comic book nerds is our guest, Black Panther historian, Nick Stone. Nick, welcome. Thank you. I'm Black Panther historian, I think, is the only title I'm going to use from here. <laughs> so shout out to you, Dan. That's, yeah. Well, I was my first question is uh, before we get into the podcast and the history of this incredible character, how did you get this job? I mean, what a cool job. You know, yeah, you're not lying. So the interesting thing here is like I was just doing my regular job. Right. So I write young adult and middle grade fiction. Um, My debut novel was called Dear Martin. It came out in 2017. And I'm just going around, going along, minding my own business. Um, and then in 20, early 2019, I got tapped to write a novel series about, um, Shuri, about the little sister of Black Panther. Mm. And I guess I made a good impression (laughs) because (laughs) they seem to like me over there at Marvel comics. So yeah, I got asked to do the podcast and I pretty much say yes to just about everything they asked me to do. (laughs) Because how could you not? That's that's pretty incredible. Uh, And I'll say I listened to the first two episodes because that's all they would let me listen to. uh, And I just tore through them. They were they were awesome. So uh, so well done. They Marvel was right. And they they make a lot of good decisions. And you were one of them. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now I'm like, okay, now let me host like the movie red carpet. Like, that's yeah, right. <laughs> or uh, a cameo in the next uh, in the next movie, maybe. Look, I will take that too. Like, I'll, I'll make it happen. I know uh, Mr. James Marvel. Is that who runs Marvel? And uh, I'll put in a call. Go for it. I, whatever, <laughs> whatever is going to work, we'll get it done. <laughs> so. How long did you immerse yourself in the world of Black Panther? How much did you kind of know about the character before? And, you know, how did this whole thing come about? So before I knew the basics, um, I knew that he was introduced in 1966 in Fantastic Four. I knew that he was the first Black superhero in comics. I knew, you know, you have like your kind of baseline yeah. facts about T'Challa that I knew, but actually the, a lot of people don't know that he was introduced in 1966, that he's like been around for that long. Um, the 2018 film is definitely what kind of shoved right. Black Panther back to the top of our consciousnesses. But like, I was aware of Reginald Hudlin's run and like, there was um, 
a cartoon on BET that went along with that that I was familiar with. So there was a lot of a lot of new stuff to be learned, definitely. But I did have a loose idea of like where he came from and why we were seeing him on screen. So one of one of the things that I found, uh, I mean, there's there's so many things just in those first two episodes. I was like, really? What? I can't, you know, just things that just boggle your mind, especially, you know, from the 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 time frame that we live in versus the time frame uh, he was invented in. Uh, but one of them was that he kind of came and went a couple of times. Uh, and as we said, this movie has made a lot of money. Uh, he's obviously an extremely popular character. Like, why do you think it took so long for him to really catch on in this huge, huge way? I mean, if you think about it, comic audiences have had like very interesting demographics for forever, but I think it did take a minute. You know, he's int- he was introduced during the civil rights movement. Right. So you had a lot of people who were super on board, but you also had people who were just not feeling it. And so right. part of the reason he was on and off is because sales were low for some of the, the earlier runs, especially the solo ones. Um, Don McGregor, he wrote the first solo Black Panther run, and he took some pretty big risks for the time mm-hmm. that he was writing. It was just like the 1970s. And he's writing about like Black Panther taking on the Klan. Like, it's just <laughs> not something that most people would be willing to do in an entertainment focused industry. So it did take a minute for him to really catch on. And I think that as we push further and further into the 21st century, and there's more of a celebration of like being black in general. And there's more kind of respect for black creators and black characters. And we're getting to see that black people are people too. And that black people can be heroes. Now, you know, we're seeing like the first kind of back-to-back run, um, just about like ta Coates finished his run. And then John Ridley pretty much immediately took over. So like, that hasn't actually really happened before. There's usually a few years gap, at least like a Mm. solid little chunk between the different runs. So I am really excited to see how he continues to evolve going forward in the comic world. Yeah. And well, so, you know, when you you talk about him battling uh, the KKK, as you said, a surprising choice, but also with hindsight, surprising from our our point of view to know that that's controversial. Like we don't really want to come out too strongly against the Ku Klux Klan. Like that, Mm -hmm. that was controversial. That, that is crazy. I mean, it's controversial now, if you think about it, I'm thinking about some of this legislation in Texas and like, well, yeah, not allowed to teach that the, that the KKK is, is immoral in any way. Like, Oh, well, that's an interesting decision. But yeah, Don McGregor, he was the first writer to put, Black Panther in Wakanda and have these comics that were pretty much only populated by black people. So yeah, he was, that's the OG right there. Papa Don, yeah. nothing but respect. <laughs> He's uh, de- definitely, uh, I think he figures prominently in the second episode. Uh, he's yes. amazing to listen to. Um, and pretty amazing too, uh, as you reveal on the sh- on your show that uh, Black Panther didn't actually reveal himself to be an African-American till like the fourth issue. Is that right? So this and this was the wildest thing. Even I did not know that. Like that was one of those things. Where I was like, wait, how did you got this person run around calling himself Black Panther and you it didn't compute that he. But then it also makes me 
it actually made me think about how differently we view the idea of blackness now than they would have back then. So honestly, right. it probably was surprising for a lot of people that this Black Panther character was black because at that point he like was the only black superhero, right? Right. So to go from there being none and then suddenly there's this Black Panther character, like I can see people presuming that he was white. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. There's a, in, in not a, this isn't a spoiler, I promise for the podcast, but like there's, we discuss how there was a bit of a discussion about the mask that he was going to be pictured in because there were some variations where his mask was a half face mask. So you could see that he had brown skin, but they wound up going with a full face mask. So you couldn't see that, you know, what color his skin was. And yeah, he, he introduces himself as black by calling himself a soul brother, right. which yeah. <laughs> Interesting choice of words, T'Challa. <laughs> but it was nineteen in the nineteen seventies. Right. Rock. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, that was an interesting revelation for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one of the cool things too about hearing the history of this, and it it kind of reminded me in a way of uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw that that Beatles documentary, the Get Back documentary, but there's these these things in culture that you know, within our lifetimes, they've just always existed. Like Black Panther always existed or, you know, the song Let It Be always existed. But you kind of like forget that they weren't like carved out of marble. Like someone thought of it, like that idea came to them and they they acted on it and they it, it didn't exist. And now it does exist. Yeah. So I wonder, like, you know, for you, you're you're an author like how has this journey, you know, of you studying Black Panther's history affected or has it affected the way you work? It has, um, just in the sense that it's made me a little less control freakish, as odd as it probably sounds. But watching this character, at, you know, as I go through the show and I'm, I'm interviewing all of these creators, like the creator of Killmonger, the creator of Shuri, like they created all of these people we're super familiar with now. It's like, oh, this character grew beyond his creators. Right. And that that made something kind of click differently in my brain. Just knowing that, like, as opposed to seeing myself as like the god of these worlds that I create, I more see myself as a conduit, right? Because mm -hmm. the whole point for me in storytelling now is to create these kind of capsules of history, right? So like people who read books that I published in 2017 that are set in 2017, when they read them in 2060, they'll be looking at what is technically historical fiction. Right. And like, I like the idea of that expanding beyond me, just like Black Panther expanded beyond Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Like he expanded beyond all of his creators. And that is so awesome to me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible to see this an idea, uh, some ink on a page, and it just like you know takes on a takes on its whole yeah the, the universe. Uh, so it, it's it's pretty incredible to see that and to think of that. And another thing that you really you know we've touched on a little bit here, but you you talk about in the in your uh, podcast too, is the role of creators and artists. So. Uh, versus commerce. So like, you know, their role is to sort of push boundaries and make people think differently. And then the people that are 
um, you know, paying for these comic books to be published or these movies to be made or whatever it is, they're like, whoa, 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 like pump the brakes. You're going to scare too many people off or you, this is good. So, um, you know, how have you personally dealt with that? Like art versus commerce push and pull? Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is, I'm so glad you asked me this question. Um, so I call it the CCC, the creator consumer collaboration, right? So when I'm sitting down writing a book, it is me sometimes on my couch, sometimes I'm sitting in a coffee shop, but it's a very solitary act. The act of writing is very solitary, but the act of storytelling is like automatically collaborative because in order to be telling a story, you have to have a listener or a reader. Right. And so coming to understand that what comes out of my brain might not necessarily be exactly what needs to go out into the world in order for people to engage with it. That right. was one of the trickiest parts about becoming a writer as a career path. Um, but what I will say that I'm super appreciative of is that interacting with different types of consumers, interacting with different people who like stories told in different ways, has definitely expanded my horizons. And like, I've gotten to talk to people from various walks of life who are all engaging with the same story in wildly different ways. And it's just one of those things that reminds me of how rich and beautiful humanity can be. I love it. That's awesome. So having, uh, you know, you've written uh, primarily fiction up to this point. So now this is nonfiction. Obviously you're telling a history here. Do you have a preference? Do you like to be able to just make things up as they pop into your head? Or do you like sort of having a map to follow and you're telling a story that that happened? Oh, I love me some fiction. Like, <laughs> growing up, I was a reader and a liar. Like I was like this little compulsive liar. But honestly, I just liked tall tales. I liked taking something that happened at school and embellishing it so that it would seem more interesting, right? Which right. is why I primarily write fiction. Also, the truth can be like kind of boring if you don't know how to tell it in an interesting way. Right. right. So I, I really do. I love writing fiction. Um, I wrote a trilogy actually uh, about Shuri, the little sister of Black Panther. And in this third one, I got to kind of like build out the Jabari lands. And like, it was the most fun I have ever had creating yeah. a setting because they aren't really explored in the first movie. They aren't really explored in any of the comics. Like you see like a shadow, but I got to have her go in there. And so we see like, Hey, there's produce here and they're building and I got to make it all up. Like, I don't think there is a job cooler than people giving you money to make stuff up all day. <laughs> so let's just take the flip of that, which does sound amazing and super cool, especially to someone who doesn't do that for a living, but is there a moment then you sit down at the computer or your notepad or whatever you're using to write with, and you're like, uh, what am I going to write? I've got this, you know, legendary series that people, you know, mean so much to so many people. And now you're taking, uh, was that intimidating at all? I guess is what I'm asking. Maybe. Honestly, not really, but I think that part of the reason writing these Shuri books wasn't intimidating is because I got to cover a part of her life that wasn't canonized. So okay. she's 13 in this book series. When we meet her in the comics, she's like late teens, early 20s, trying to beat T'Challa to the challenge so that she can become the Black Panther. And when we meet her in the film, she's like 16-ish, right? So I got to build out 
this amazing backstory. If I had been writing like Spider-Man or something, I don't know that I would have been able to do it because there is so much, you right. got so many eyes, people have so many opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Characters. Um, so yeah, I don't know that that's noise I would have been able to shut out, but writing Fury, she and I are so much alike. It was almost like, it was just so much fun kind of getting to validate my younger black girl nerd self. <laughs> so I think, I, I think you're going to get a little bit of noise on one of the declarations you make on your podcast. Yes. About me. the greatest comic book villain of all time. So now I'm not going to say I disagree with you. I'm not going to say I agree with you. But why don't you tell us who you think is the best villain of all time and explain your thinking, please. More coming up from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsor. No one succeeds alone. Even the best entrepreneurs know when it's time to bring in an outside expert. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. You can check work samples, client reviews, and more to make sure you're hiring the right pro for your business and there's no cost until you hire. Plus, you only pay for work you approve. So whether you're looking to hire a single pro for a project or an entire team to scale your business, Upwork can help you reach your goals. And however you hire, Upwork is available to help you keep things running smoothly with 24-7 support, letting you stay focused on what matters, your business. Find the right talent for whatever your business needs are at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. And our next sponsor. This episode of Get a Real Job is presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you're all alone, especially when things aren't going so great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know you aren't alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you work so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash small business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back. Eric Killmonger, I think, is the best comic book villain of all time, largely because of how well-rounded he is. So he's, he's introduced in uh, the Don McGregor run in the 1970s. And the version that we meet there is a lot different than the one we kind of meet in the films. Um, but the interesting thing about Eric Killmonger is his backstory is so rich. And every single thing that he does, I can understand why he's doing it. Every single like idea he has in his, head, in his head, I can understand where it comes from. Being able to understand why a villain is villainous, on the one hand, is kind of scary. <laughs> like, there was one point where I was like, I mean... But is he wrong? Like <laughs> even in the comics, like I so there's um there's a whole there's a run that is specifically about Killmonger, and I've read it a bunch of times, largely because I'm like, why is this 
kind of relatable. Like, no, you probably shouldn't murder the woman you just slept with. But (laughs) at the same time, there are some things that you're thinking about and talking about that totally makes sense to me. So really it's his relatability for me, which I hope people don't think I'm going to go like try to overthrow a government. I have zero intention of doing that. (laughs) But I just really appreciated his intelligence, like Mm -hmm. the way that he uses logic and rationality in his villainy, <laughs> as odd as that sounds. Right. Um, yeah, I, I love him. I love him. And I will say I was not thrilled with the first film. And anyway, you know what I'm oh. talking about without me spoiling. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not. I was mad. I left the theater <laughs> furious. Really? But we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, do you, so you've written uh, um, these, uh, these novels based on this character. Do you see yourself getting into comic books? Do you think you'll, you'd like to write a comic book? (laughs) I'm laughing because I have been called into meetings to write comic books. I cannot tell you how many times Okay, I'm like, but I'm a prose writer. So I mean, eventually I'm sure they're going to rope me in. I actually had I had brunch with my editor was in town yesterday, my Marvel editor. And she, you know, she's still like, so which character are we going to do a comic run for? I'm wow. skittish. I won't lie. Because Sk- I mean, comic, like it's a different medium, number one. And comic yeah. fans are a lot different than like novel fans. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, we don't want to upset. This <laughs> Let's not upset the, the, the fan, specifically the fan boys. Because like, <laughs> okay. Real, real uh, upset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is true. Um, I'm one of those weird people who I definitely like comic book movies, but I'm definitely more of a comic book reader fan. Um, uh, And I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that makes me nerdier than most or or what. But movies I like, but I feel like they're kind of, all right, now we're going to have a giant battle and the Mm -hmm. good guys are going to win. Uh, yes. And, you know, it's going to go on for 45 minutes and I'm not really going to be able to tell what's going on and then that's going to be over. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of I kind of like the, the comic books a little bit more. Yeah, I actually do, too. Um, and largely because there's so many different ways to tell a story in a comic book. Right, right. And the pictures are so pretty. I like pretty pictures. I won't lie. So can you draw? Oh, no, not to save my life. <laughs> this is another reason why I write prose novels. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think we gave away maybe one of the big uh, um, revelations, but was there anything else, you know, in the history of this character that really like made you like put down what you were reading and say, what? Uh, That just kind of blew you away. I will say it's less stuff in the actual history and more stuff I was learning about the creators of said history and just coming to realize that there were people like Don McGregor in the 1970s that were like, no, black people are awesome. Let's make sure we see that they're awesome in this really popular comic book that we're working on. And we're going to set it in Africa and there aren't going to be any white people in it. Like knowing that there were people who existed telling these stories before people like me were allowed to tell these stories is huge to me. And I think just, it's very encouraging. Like I found working on the podcast and interacting with these different creators so empowering. Like seriously feel like, okay, there's nothing I can't do. So watch out world. Yeah, that's all I, you know, and I, I forget the name of the comic 
series. It was like Jungle something uh, that he was talking about that was just wildly racist. And that, uh, you know, it's just like, ah, just, just, just do it. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. And he was like, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. that's, that is, uh, I was, I was uh, really wowed by that and thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And talking with some of the artists too, was just super enlightening. Like the amount of respect they have for the work that they're doing. John Romita Jr. specifically is one who stands out in my memory. And we, I talked to him in a later episode. You haven't heard that one yet, but just listening to his passion for art and not just art, but art that features people doing amazing things. Like I was just yeah. like, this is the kind of fervor I want to work with because it makes work not feel like work. You know, it's like you're working, but there's so much passion in it that it doesn't feel, it's not tedious and it doesn't suck. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I thought was so cool that you, that you were able to bring out was you know, the incredible storytelling that went on, you know, even in the early days where they didn't just have this like guy hatch as this perfect person. Like, you know, there was a lot going on. He made missteps, you know, people within the comic book world, you know, were correcting him and telling him to look at things differently. I I thought that was, that was really fascinating. Really makes me want to go back and look at those like original comics because it's pretty amazing that the the storylines you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for you to hear the other episodes too, because it's like, as Black Panther progresses through history, he evolves more and more under the pin of each writer whose hands he passes through. Right. So like McGregor took him one place. And then after McGregor, Christopher Priest took him somewhere else, kind of rounded him out a bit more on one side. Then Reginald Hudlin rounded him out a a bit more on the other side. Ta-Nehisi Coates takes over and we're like suddenly in outer space. And now John Ridley is doing his thing, you know? And it's like, but with each set of hands that T'Challa has passed through. And I cannot forget Evan Narciss because during Ta-Nehisi Coates' run, Evan Narciss did kind of like a re-origin story. And the beauty of these additions to to T'Challa's character is that none of it really contradicts anything that came before it. And I just think that it's such a beautiful collaborative thing, right? Respecting yeah. the work of the person who came before you and just adding to it. Right. I think it's so awesome. That's that's great. So so this podcast is called The History of Marvel Comics Black Panther. Um by the time you're listening to this, it will have been out I think for a week. So if you missed it, go check it out cuz it is it's awesome. Whether you're a comic book fan, a fan of the movie, it's it's just you're going to learn a lot. And it's just very entertaining. You, you tell a good story, Nick. I will, I will give you that for sure. Yeah. How could anybody resist listening to this voice for an hour? You know? <laughs> that well, was the one thing that I was like, wait, you guys want me to talk for like, <laughs> we're going to have to listen to my voice for that long. My so goodness. I'm going to say, I hope you will do the history of Marvel comics, colon, some other title uh, soon. Cause I, I really appreciated this one. I'm not opposed. All right. We'll see if we can make that happen. So, uh, <laughs> so check it out, uh, obviously, and check out uh, if you like it, which I know you will, you have to check out some of her books too, which I am going to do next because I like a good story. 
So uh, I think you're going to tell me a good story or two. So thanks so much for for spending some time with us and for uh, telling this great story. Definitely check it out. The history of Marvel Comics, Black Panther. I ran out of my breath. Uh, Nick Stone, thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.